Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast, Veritas Supra Veritatis. I am Technical Drew, and I am joined by your lovely host, Sarah. Today, we're going to be discussing Shattered Dreams. This is a section of the first chapter of um, Pope Francis's most recent encyclical that just came out. Uh, yeah, so we've been covering, uh, we did the preface in our last podcast, and so today we're going to uh, move ahead. Uh, there's number nine, there's number nine, which kind of just is, uh, I think, just an intro into this next section. But yeah, it's encountered, it's called Shattered Dreams. Uh, the, we... the, uh, the encompassing chapter is called Dark Clouds Over a Closed World, which is a lovely topic. Yeah. And it's funny because later we won't get to this part today, but later he talks about how, you know, anyone pushing despair is really just trying to push control. And all I can think of is seriously, you're writing about this in a thing you titled dark clouds over a closed world. Part of me almost wants to give credit to Pope Francis. And I don't know, maybe this is his, maybe this is satire uh, because he does seem to have a knack for contradicting himself within his own sentences uh, we're going to see a little bit of that in the upcoming things where the point he is making, he actually will you will disprove his own or be, be guilty of doing what he is seemingly condemning within the sentence itself, which I think is kind of funny. Uh, so we can get started, though. I do think, though, the, the whole point of shattered dreams, I mean, apart from the fact that it sounds like, you it know, just sounds <laughs> it sounds cliche. like a rock ballad title. But we were just talking about the fact that he made the distinction between dreams and mirages in the second in the section before this, that dreams are just as immaterial as mirages. I don't understand why he acts like dreams are this solid thing um, in any sense of the word dreams. It's 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 a dream. It's not it's not a reality. It takes hard work and ingenuity and a lot of grace in order to turn a dream into a reality. So but let's let's read uh, starting at chapter 10. So without claiming to carry out an exhaustive analysis or to study every aspect of our present day experience, I intend to simply consider certain trends in our world that hinder the development of universal fraternity. There's that fraternity word again. Yeah, that's all over the place. The, the document is called My Brothers. So I think it's his theme. It's his theme. I don't mind the word fraternity. I just think it's weird that he doesn't couple it with he pronouns. He just keeps saying he and she and then fraternity. It, it bothers me. But it, that's just on a grammatical level. Yeah. So uh, for decades, it seemed that the world had learned a lesson from its many wars and disasters and was slowly moving towards various forms of integration. For example, there was a dream of a united Europe capable of acknowledging its shared roots and rejoicing in its rich diversity. We think of the firm conviction of the founders of the European Union who envisioned a future based on the capacity to work together in bridging divisions and in fostering peace and fellowship between all the peoples of this continent. Okay. And that quote, So he's probably talking about Brexit. Yeah, I think he is. That's um, so, which I think is interesting because, well, two things, first of all, that footnote seven, once again, he's quoting himself. He quotes himself a lot. And I was actually looking through apart from the beginning part of the document where he misquotes St. Francis or he quotes St. Francis correctly. He just uses St. Francis to illustrate a point, which if you read the rest of St. Francis's quotation, he's not saying the, the um, it takes until footnote 54 before he has any quotations that are outside the, are, are earlier in church history than the 1900s. So I think that that is something really telling about this document, which is why it like really sparks our little Catholic senses that 
gosh, this doesn't seem to be fall. You know, this doesn't seem connected to tradition, which is funny because we're going to we'll see one of his topics coming up that basically is arguing. He's arguing for our, our, our problem with the document itself. So, um, but anyway, so I think though, exactly he's talking, I think he's talking about Brexit as well. The idea though, the, the idea that these structure, that when you have a structure that brings things together will create unity is, is kind of stupid. I think, I feel like we see this all over the place, like European union being one of them, you put these countries together, but just because structurally they're united for practical purposes does not mean that they are going to be living in harmony because the way harmony is created is through the sharing of ideas, the sharing of values, the sharing of beliefs. And if you have all these separate, um, like if you have all of these separate like spiritual realities, you're, you're not going to have to combine your societies. Right. Now, here's the interesting thing, though. Europe was united more I, yeah, or less. I was less. about to say, uh, wasn't <laughs> we were, like the all gun ho about like the Crusades? <laughs> I was going to say, the Holy Roman Empire. Uh, now, granted, it was not perfect and there were still wars going on between because here's the deal. You have humanity and well, humanity leave, in you... its fallen state is going to sin and there's going to be wars and there's going to be divisions. But at least with the Holy Roman Empire, you had at least a common faith that tried to bring people together. And so you had like one of the greatest hopes for peace on Earth. Well, it's one of those things where if you leave a small group of guys alone together for a long enough period of time and they're bored to tears, we're just going to start beating the crap out of each other. Because we're bored, like so, it's like, and that's kind of, I think, it would happen on a much larger scale with those countries. Is like a bunch of guys are just like, I don't know, what do you want to do today? Hey, let's just let's go to war. There, yeah, yeah, all right. And then they just because we're we're manly men, and that's just what we gotta do. No, that is okay. Normally, I would say uh, no, it's not at all like that. But you actually sort of ish because there actually were when you have professional soldiers, you have to pay them. And you need to have like the idea of having like even these little pockets of, of rulers having their own private army. It, like you do need to go into battle and rob people kind of if, if, if these soldiers are not doing anything to produce wealth, they need to be paid. And so there is kind of the, the idea that either you have to tax the people who are working in order to pay your soldiers or mm-hmm. your soldiers have to go attack other people and rob them in order to get money. Yeah. Um, but there is also a political element that people just power is attractive and and it's corrupting and there are people who who put worldly gain over heavenly good um and it's going to happen like that's the thing the only hope we have for peace on earth comes through jesus christ and so if your hope was that the eu was going to create peace on earth like i'm sorry that just is faulty you know it's not a structure isn't going to create harmony i mean we see that in the united states the United States is still at the moment one country, yet we are very divided politically because we don't our the spiritual things are not in harmony. It's just the stru- the physical structure, the the material things, the money, the the business, the the trade, the economics, the things that ultimately don't matter in the long run on a you know to humanity as humanity. Um, the cultural things are not are or sorry the the structural things are united, but the the cultural things, the beliefs. Those are not united. And so it, it's just kind of dumb. I mean, and we've seen this in history. Like I think of like um, Yugoslavia and like you create a like people just said, oh, we're going to create this country. We're going to group these people together because they sort of have common 
um, genetic material. I mean, they're, they come from the same area. We're going to clump them together, but these were people who were not united. And so like, just because you had the structures and you called them one country, the fact that we would have civil wars there wasn't like surprising or like even like the, the former USSR, like just because you structurally bring things together in an organization doesn't mean you have unity. What would bring unity would be a common belief, like, you know, say Catholicism. I think that would be a great belief. Seems legit to me. I know, especially Europe. It was Catholic for very long, but it isn't at the moment. Um, but yeah, I think the I think the fact that the Pope acts as though we should have put our <laughs> we should have put our faith in the, the European, European Union. Union is, yeah, <laughs> and 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 for well, the record, though, he doesn't use, use the word European Union. Word. He just you, says United. But you just use an interesting word, which is he puts our we put our faith in the European Union. Yeah, we we should really only be putting our faith in God. Realistic, like if we want to have a good, you know solid thing to put our faith in it should be it should be that right um so we're going to skip ahead a little bit now uh there's a little bit of a section on latin america but it, it doesn't really matter too much um it just kind of feeds that same idea yeah it's just um, another yeah. so we'll jump into section 11 here uh our own days however seem to be showing signs of certain regression ancient conflicts that long thought long buried are breaking out anew while instances of a myopic extremist resentful and aggressive nationalism are on the rise like Okay, here's the thing. If you are in an organization that is oppressing you, the reality is that you're going to rebel. And it makes sense that if all these countries are smushed together, they're going to rebel as countries. So I don't think that the the other thing too is it national sovereignty isn't a bad thing. This this idea that globalism is going to be good is actually contrary to the principle of the Catholic Church which is subsidiarity governance should happen on the lowest possible level the idea that oh we just need a global government and then you know or a continental government and then everything will be fine once again not of not not following the the teachings of the church that governance should really be done on the lowest level well and it seems that he's putting words in our mouth a little bit with this next section so in some countries a concept of popular or national unity influenced by various ideologies ideologies Ideologies. ideologies is creating new forms of selfishness and a loss of the social sense under the guise of defending national interests. So he, he's a, mega. I, I just, yeah, I, I, I really like, feel like we're being I judged feel, here. I feel, I feel attacked. Like I, <laughs> I'm offended. Um, it's just, it seems weird. And it seems like he's basically putting words in my mouth saying like, you're nationalist. So you clearly believe this. And it's like, well, no, yeah, well, I just don't want, I like America. Come on, man. I just don't want it to get destroyed. But it, the thing is, is that it's okay for Irishmen to like Irish, Ireland. You can love they come God from. and your country too. Argentinians right? can love Argentina, you know, people from, you know, Zimbabwe can love Zimbabwe. Like nationalism isn't bad as long as you don't basically I de you don't recognize that these people are not human because they come from another country. Yeah. I also find it very offensive. The fact that nationalism is myopic. It extremist, seems like resent. a naughty word in this. Myopic means narrow minded. Like, come on. No, it's like nationalism isn't a bad thing to say. We want to be our own nation because we have historically just not a, it's not a bad thing. It, it's funny because I feel like he belongs to a group of people who are always promoting diversity, 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 diversity. And yet at the same time, the only reason diversity, like diversity is only good if it's also combined with unity. But I feel like this is not the kind of unity that they're talking about. They're like, no, 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 you can't be different. You you can't love your country. You have you well, know. It's that whole mentality of just because you're different doesn't mean you're not useless. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so the other get... thing, too, I hate is the fact that we consider diversity to be, like... once again, only on the material level. It drives me nuts. It's like what would really be diverse would be people with diverse, like, spiritual well, gifts. Well, it's put on this pedestal of, like, it's just this – it's like a deity almost. Like, if you're yeah. diverse, there's it's in, if you're capable of, like, failure or fault or something like that. Um, so he gets into another point. He has a quote. I'm wondering if he's going to quote himself again on this one. He might. Uh, the number eight. So this, yes. Yeah, so that actually, uh, yeah, that one is a quote. I think by he is quoting himself. Again. Okay. So each new generation must take up the struggles and attainments of past generations while setting its height, its sights even higher. This is the path. This is the path. Goodness, together with love, justice, and solidarity, are not achieved once and for all. They have to be realized each day. It is not possible to settle for what was achieved in the past and complacently enjoy it as if we could somehow disregard the fact that many of our brothers and sisters still endure endure situations that cry out for our attention. Okay, so I think... It sounds like he's condemning, reminiscing the good old days. Yeah, well, and I don't don't think... I don't really know. I mean, it's hard to tell what he's saying. It's a very loaded (laughs) phrase, and he took a thing out of St. Paul's book and had a bit... I think there's a bit of a run-on in there. I don't know. I was having trouble reading Uh. it just grammatically yeah i don't it it looks as is technically a conjunction that you can use to combine sentences i don't know if it was used properly but uh yeah i think basically um, it's not possible to settle for what was achieved in the past so basically you can't say well we were great in the past um we're just gonna complacently and i totally agree with that the whole idea of virtue is you have to struggle toward virtue every single day otherwise if you're not if you're not moving forward in your spiritual life you're falling behind but it's a natural progression lift that builds off of a solid foundation that you have there's no like you don't want to drastically like because the good old day like you can't reminisce the good old days so it's just tear everything down and start over it's like no it's just you had something good just keep building off of that build off that foundation Right. And I don't even I don't even know that I disagree with this quote because he's not I don't think he's calling he's he's basically saying I mean, he sort of implies that once upon a time there was goodness together with love, justice and solidarity um, are not I mean, not really saying it is, but um, I guess I would have to know what he means by once upon a time. Oh, that is, you know, the like, thing about what, what writing is, <laughs> is that it's supposed to be what tells us what you believe if you're doing it correctly and we don't well have, we don't have to try to like read his thoughts kind of thing on this one yeah oh, gosh yeah anyway yeah i don't i don't think that's this isn't i don't think what i i don't really object to anything i don't think in there I, other than i just don't feel like it says much other i mean it no sorry i do resent the fact that he declares all nationalism bad as though nationalism a love for one's country and one's nation is and and recognizing the gifts and things that your nation has and things that it can contribute to the world. The fact that he condemns that as being inherently evil, which is, I mean, I am putting words in his Look, mouth a little it can, bit. It could be potentially mutilated, but that's just like anything else in this world. Right. It's all the, everything can, can, can be twist things taken over evil. by sin. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't feel, I feel like the fact that he prefaces it by four adjectives, all of which are incredibly negative, extremist, resentful, aggressive, myopic. I just can't. And then he follows it up with another sentence saying that these, um, you know, ideologies forming selfishness and a lot like, I'm sorry, I think he's condemning nationalism when he ought not to be. Yeah. Now, granted, the other problem, though, is that nationalism is a loaded word because you had your um, the Nazis had nationalist in their um, in their title, the uh, national Nazi. I can't remember what it stands for, but national is in there. So nationalism is, is something associated with the Nazis, even though 
um, you know, when you're not using your country to say, hey, let's kill a whole group of people, nationalism isn't necessarily a bad it's thing. It's not exclusive to that that situation yet. No, it's not. And it's not necessarily bad. It's just not bad. Patriotism is a, is a virtue. It has been. You read your Baltimore Catechism, patriotism and love for one's country is a virtue. Um, all right, so let's so move on to 12. Next section, yeah. So opening up to the world is an expression that has been co-opted by the economic and financial sector and is now used exclusively for openness to foreign interest, interests or to the freedom of economic powers to invest without obstacles or complications in all countries. Local conflicts and disregard for the common good are exploited by the global economy in order to impose a single cultural model. Okay, I have a problem with this. What on earth? Earth is that I, I i think basically he's saying that opening up to the world which is an expression like we open you know nixon opened china or whatever basically means that you're open to trade and anytime you have trade you're going to have opportunities for dishonesty and and exploitation so he's he's looking at the world basically and in the worst possible light you could you could have that oh any time of type of commerce is evil but here's my objection disregard for the common good are exploited by the global economy. He is mixing up the notion of common good with material possessions. When you start defining common goods, which remember are goods which do not diminish when they are shared, which is the, that's the Catholic definition of a common good. It's a good that does not diminish when it's shared, which means it cannot be something material. So when the Catholic church talks about common good, we talk about things like beauty. Right. So building a beautiful church is a common good because, because multiple people can enjoy it. Right. Anyone can come into that church and enjoy the beauty and beauty is good for the human soul. So it's a it is a common good. So this is like one of the arguments people make. Well, if you have money, why don't you use it to feed the poor? Well, you know, rather than build a beautiful church. Well, because building a beautiful church actually benefits everyone, whereas feeding the poor only benefits the poor person you're feeding. Now, that being said, it's not a problem to feed the poor, but you don't have to spend all of your money in feeding the poor. Uh, that That's not, you know, necessary. That's not necessary. It, it is also good to build beautiful things for God. Well, and, and it is benefit and, benefits the poor because the poor can go into that church. I was going to say, yeah, because it's food. The, I mean, you're still feeding the poor technically. Yeah, you're just you're feeding, feeding their, their soul, soul inside of their bodies. As Catholics, we would argue that that's more important because the, the, our bodies are temporary, but our soul is forever. So. Right nurturing the soul over the body is really what we should be doing correct yeah i mean it is but i think i mean obviously like don't disrespect yeah like, i think don't, i think it's saint james and everyone the Bible continue says, eating don't just stop eating because i said something <laughs> no i think the saint james though i think it is that says basically you can't say to someone oh be well you know be uh you know warm and well fed and then not give them something to satisfy their needs but here's the deal the nice thing about Christianity is that the the individual is to be charitable. So when we are in, when we encounter someone in need, we as a person can give to that individual, which is why like I I like to keep a little bit of my funds um available like for my tithing. I don't like to give it all to organizations. I do like to keep some of it so that I can just give to the people that God puts in my way. And, and I think that one of the things we kind of have lost in our, because we have so many just structures of things, we say, oh, I'm going to give to the poor. I'm going to go send a check halfway across the it's, country. Yeah, it's like, we don't, disingenuous. Like, it's because it's so nothing. 
Yeah, I mean, it is, but it, I mean, and obviously don't stop supporting like, these organizations, but at the same time, there's kind of a, there's you sort can of. tell the difference between sending a check to some organization, somewhere because it's a two second thing. You sign it, you mail it out. But then there's a difference of coming across somebody on the street who is homeless and you take them to a convenience store and you get them some food or you buy them a new change of clothes or you, you do something that drastically affects that one life or that one soul. There's a you right. can feel a big difference between those two things. Right. And I think there's something that it's it it does make this it makes the soul it, it affects the soul, I think, differently. I think you're right. Um because like I mean I even think of like you know like you're behind somebody in a in a in a grocery store and you can see them scrounging around and they don't have enough money to pay for their groceries and you say, hey I'll you know let me pick up the bill. Mm-hmm. You know, the something like that where you are being generous to someone in need and there's a personal there's a fraternity you know <laughs> like a, a social interaction going on that i feel like is is far more um it, it's far more real and 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 the thing that is too is it's good for both parties because you get to be generous to an individual you actually get to you know share the light of christ to another person that other person now has an opportunity to be grateful which is also something that's going to benefit them spiritually whereas if you get your money from an organization there's an entitlement element not you don't know who to be grateful to Mm -hmm. and so when another person gives especially if they are giving because of christ like there's a there is a a gratitude that can be offered well um, and it helps unify the people involved right which segues us into our next sentence which is this culture unifies the world but divides persons and nations for as society becomes ever more globalized it makes us neighbors but does not make us brothers okay this is not a francis i mean he's not quoting himself here number nine is pope benedict the 16th in caritas and veritati which means charity in truth all right let's read where this comes from it comes from paragraph 19 okay I'm, I'm going to read. You want to read this? Yeah, section? I'll read. Okay. So finally, the vision of development as a vocation brings with it the central place of charity within that development. Paul VI. Okay, so look at how in this in this document, we're going back, although Paul VI, I guess, is only 1900s too, but I just feel like it seems like there's a lack of depth time-wise in, in Pope uh, Francis's writing. In his encyclical letter, Populorum Progressio, pointed out that the causes of underdevelopment are not primarily of the material order, which is like exactly the point opposite of what Pope Francis is saying. He's saying we've got this this commerce and this material stuff going on that's causing us not to be brothers. And he quotes Pope Benedict, who's talking about Pope Paul VI, who's saying it's not of the material order. Unity has to be based on something more than economics and 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 physical things. He invited us to search for them in other dimensions of the human person. First of all, in the will, which often neglects the duties of solidarity. Secondly, in thinking, which does not always give proper direction to the will. So this is all Catholic teaching, right? That we have wills and that they have to be informed by the intellect. The intellect identifies the good. The will has to do the good. If the will isn't choosing the right good, you know, then we call it sin or at least not. There are... There are lesser goods that you can choose that are not sins, but um, that's, I think, what Pope Francis is talking about when he talks about how evil all this commerce stuff is. Hence, in the pursuit of development, there is a need for the deep thought and reflection of wise men in search of a new humanism, which will enable modern man to find himself anew. And that's a quote from somewhere. Uh, Oh, that's a quote from Paul VI again. 
But that is not all. Underdevelopment has an even more important cause than the lack of deep thought. It is the lack of brotherhood among individuals and peoples. Will it ever be possible to obtain this brotherhood through human effort alone? As societies become ever more globalized, and this is the quote he took, it makes us neighbors, but it does not make us brothers. Reason by itself is capable of grasping the equality between men and of giving stability to their civic coexistence. All right. So basically structure, civic coexistence, economy, and things like that. Reason can do that. Reason can say, hey, uh, and this comes to us like from Locke, John Locke and stuff, uh, the idea that for economic reasons, people will come together, but the unity is is based on self-interest. Okay, so this is what po- this is what Pope Benedict says. Reason by itself is capable of grasping the equality between men and of giving stability to their civic coexistence, but it cannot establish fraternity. This originates in a transcendent vocation from God the Father, who loved us first teaching us through the Son what fraternal charity is. Paul VI, presenting the various levels in the process of human development, placed at the summit after mentioning faith. Unity in the charity of Christ, who calls us all to share as sons in the life of the living God, the Father of all. Notice, Pope Benedict, Pope Paul VI are making the same point that the Pope Francis did not allow St. Francis to make in the very beginning of this document, which is that you have to be united in Christ. Christ and our belief in the God, in the Holy Trinity is what allows for brotherhood. You're, why, why put your faith in these structures? They cannot do what he wants them to do. Um, anyway. That one sounds a lot better. Should we switch to that? <laughs> yeah, it actually would have been a far better document. I, I agree. It would be far easier to understand because it's not so ambiguous. But I think it's interesting that there, he acts as though we should be disappointed in, that these that the you know the EU and these different and organizations that you know in commerce they aren't creating fraternity. And They're had he read Pope to. Benedict and and John and Paul VI, he'd realize well, duh, you can't have that kind of fraternity unless you have Jesus Christ. So I feel like the message of this encyclical ought to be Catholics go out and make disciples of all the nations, which is what Jesus said. I was going to say, that sounds pretty nice. Even God agrees with me. (laughs) I know. It's a good line, isn't it? Uh, Get that on a (laughs) t-shirt. Yeah, but um, well, I I think I agree with God about most things. So that's that's probably a good thing to do. Sounds like a sound. And so he agrees with me. But definitely if, if I'm quoting him, I think he agrees with me. Um, All right. So, and I actually, you can read that one in context, and it still means the same thing, which is kind of the key. So he, so Pope Francis continues on. So we are more alone than ever in an increasingly massified world. Is pacified a word? Uh, massified. I've never heard of it, but in English, you can kind of you can you can, you can add words. endings add to words, words and yeah, make a new um, ones. Massified world that promotes individual interests and weakens the communitarian dimension of life. Indeed, there are markets where individuals become mere consumers or bystanders. As a rule, the advance of this kind of globalism strengthens the identity of the more powerful who can protect themselves. But it tends to diminish the identity of the weaker and poorer regions, making them more vulnerable and dependent. In this way, political life becomes increasingly fragile in the face of 
transnational economic powers that operate with a principle of divide and conquer. Once again, I feel What's like you got against Caesar. <laughs> <laughs> I know um, Caesar wasn't the greatest guy, but come on, divide and conquer. That's a powerful statement. No, I think the problem is look at the light in which I mean, he's basically talking about capitalism and he is basically he really, saying yeah. it, he really he's hates like, it. it. It doesn't work. It, and once again, it's not it, any not like it, you know, made the one of the world's most powerful superpowers or anything. Yeah, but here's the deal. Capitalism in and of itself is not bad. Like there are things, abortion, Pope Francis being one of them, that is inherently evil. Capitalism is not inherently evil. Can it be used to accomplish evil things? Yes. Can it have evil people within it? Yes. But in and of itself, it's not bad. And the other thing, too, is that capitalism actually raises people. In If you can get rid of the corruption in your politics, capitalism actually does a great job well, for building a middle class, which is a, creates a bunch of people who don't have to worry about their day-to-day sustenance. And I think that ties into a point you had made maybe a couple episodes or a little bit earlier in this talk, which is this whole idea of self governance of our yes. person capitalism i think in places where it works really well is where the people will just will say that they're, they're good practicing catholics they're they're managing their individual selves first and because they keep themselves in check capitalism can thrive so as long as you have a big community of people who can do that themselves it will bring everybody up together yeah which is i think what ultimately francis wants he's just going about it the wrong way right the other thing to note is that the idea of that a globalist governing organization is going to be better for people the high the the higher up you go the more potential there is for corruption because the more outlets there are for like the, the the more means there are for corruption because there's there's more people and there's less accountability so the idea that and, and, and corruption within the politics is really what causes oppression to the people. So a lot of times, like, for instance, a, a people is kept poor because of the fact that there are or there are governmental, you know, they have to bribe their police in their town to keep them, you know, otherwise their shops will get vandalized. Like there are there are situations, but the smaller your government, the fewer the fewer um opportunities i guess there are for corruption and the more holy people you have within small communities you you the less corruption you should have so i think the idea that oh if we just get these globalist structures in place globalist structures in place that will get rid of you know that everybody will rise i mean <laughs> i feel like history proves history, him wrong yeah, yeah. <laughs> which history is funny is because on side on that one. the next section is the end of the historical consciousness, consciousness that's ironic um, as a result, so this is uh, section 13, as a result, there's a growing loss of sense of history, which leads to even further breakup. That's a really ironic since he seems to forget history in his last paragraph yes. with this whole idea. A kind of deconstructionism, is that a, yeah. it's in quotes, so it might be weird. Uh, deconstructionism, I think, is a, like a, I think that's an official term. It's an official thing. Okay. Kind of. I think that's what he's basically saying. Uh, like the, the the notion of deconstructionism. Gotcha. So he he defines it. I think the deconstructionism, whereby human freedom claims to create everything starting from zero, is making headway in today's culture. The one thing it leaves in its wake is the drive to limitless consumption and expressions of empty individualism. Concern about this led me to offer the young some advice. Okay, so I just want to point out I don't disagree with this. I do think that there is a growing loss of the sense of history, and I think that. The idea that that um, we that history doesn't have, you know, and the ideas of history don't have anything to offer and that the failures within history don't have anything to offer us as far as warnings. I do think that 
I think that actually is a true thing. But l- let's keep reading. Um, if someone tells young people to ignore their history, to reject the experiences of their elders, to look down on the past and to look forward to a future that he himself holds out, doesn't it then become easy to draw them along so that they only do what he tells them? Isn't that how communism works? Uh, yes, it does. <laughs> Which is why the Russians had to rewrite history. And by the way, why in the United States we have the 1619 Project, which also tries to, to rewrite, rewrite our history. history. And not to mention the fact that just in general, a lot of kids don't have history. They have social studies, which is not history. But there's um, that word again, social. Yeah. Well, I just find it amazing. Yeah, it is. I also found it amazing how many kids I encounter just because I, I like to I help tutor kids and I work like in CCD programs and things like that. The number of kids I meet who don't know basic facts about history is it's scary. Is a, it's, it is scary. Well, the worst part is when they come because I'll be like, OK, what are you studying? And like the middle schoolers, oh, I'm studying ancient history. OK, perfect. I can I can I've got facts from from ancient history. I can use examples from ancient history. OK, Julius Caesar. We don't know who that is um okay what what civilization did you study well we studied egypt all right well let's go with ramses we don't know who that is well what do you know well we know about king tut's tomb okay great anything else uh no (laughs) you know it's 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 scary how little they actually it's 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 really scary how little they know they take out key pieces of history that teach certain lessons right why it's, it's, it's exactly what he's talking about where they they're not learning from history right they're not learning from past mistakes Right. They're not and they're not learning about the important things. One of the things that they like to teach now is, oh, we're going to teach about the common man. Well, that's not it's it's not interesting. It's nothing. There's not memorable. There's a reason he's called the common man. (laughs) Right. The the, the movers and shakers of history are the ones we want to actually read about. And they'll just ignore these people. It's those movers and shakers that inspired the common man to right to, to become no longer the common man. Right. Um, So uh, Francis continues on. He needs the young to be shallow, uprooted and distrustful so that they can trust only in his promise and acting uh, and act according to his plans. This is how various ideologies operate. They destroy or deconstruct all differences so that they can reign unopposed. To do so, however, they need young people who have no use for history, who spurn the spiritual and human riches inherited from past generations, and are ignorant of everything that came before them. I I totally agree with this. I can think of one certain (laughs) congresswoman, um, Ocasio-Occasional Cortex, who it's this very definition she is she denies old people she thinks that everything's terrible she doesn't want to remember history and she thinks that the newer is always better right i think anyone who's trying to promote communism or socialism in the united states is exactly this person i mean and the thing is is they say young but we have gotten to a point where we have a young we had a young generation that this happened to who are now old people and so it seems really dumb because it's like, wait, you shouldn't have 50-year-olds who still believe in no history and, and this nonsense, but we do in our, you know, in our upper levels of education. Um, but yeah, I, I think so. And I, I think that, I mean, I feel like this is exact. The problem, though, that I have with this is the question of, is he, I mean, I, I think it's, I just, I think this is a dead-on example of what we're seeing, at least in our country um, right now. Um, the only thing that I think is really interesting is that Pope Francis has made it known who he supports in politics in the United States at the moment. And it seems like he's condemning the people he's supporting. <laughs> like he doesn't support necessarily this as, as is in this document, yeah. but he has made it known who he's against in our country's politics. And it seems like he's, he's that if he's against, if we have two parties and he's against one of those parties, 
that seems to imply that he's pro the other party and the party that he's pro is exactly the party that he's condemning right here or at least speaking ill of here (laughs) if we're interpreting what he's saying properly the problem is again it's it's a little vague in this in some of these instances so we don't know who he's i don't know who he's quoting here yeah uh, it's a post-synodal apostolic... Oh, yeah, apostolic exhortation. Christus vivit from the last year. So I, I'm assuming that would be... It, at least it's it's him or his... It's something he's potentially quoting. <laughs> you don't himself. really call the Pope's um, administration an administration, but basically it came out of... It came out of The his, church his, during his, his reign. Helio, which um, so we're on the last paragraph, which is good. Um, these are new forms of cultural colonization, so this is section 14. Let us not forget that peoples that abandon their tradition and either from a craze to mimic others or to foment violence or from unpardonable negligence or apathy allow others to rob their very soul, end up losing not only their spiritual identity but also their moral consistency and in the end their intellectual, economic, and political independence. Uh, that is not him quoting himself. I, I don't really know what he's saying there. Um, who, but the word there? colonization is a so loaded he, term. He is, it says Cardinal Raul Silva Henrique. Enrique. Enrique. I don't I don't know who that. Homily at the Te Deum Santiago de Chile, September of 18, 18th of September, 1974. Um, the, fa- the date of 1974 in South America makes me a little leery of its orthodoxy, but um, I don't I don't know anything about it. So the biggest thing that I see in this is it's a little bit so like he seems to be so the first thing peoples that abandon their tradition mm-hmm. isn't he kind of abandoning tradition <laughs> with this encyclical? Um yes yes he is so I, uh, yep yep he sure I, is yeah I'd take that with however you feel um, considering the fact that he's only using contemporary sources yeah and it's very and so he's quoting somebody obviously he he seems to be quote qu- quoting quoting this cardinal. Um, and what this cardinal is saying, at least from what I understand it, it's very, it's, I, I, I guess I kind of agree with it for the most, like in certain, I don't in certain senses, really I agree know with what the it's idea. saying. Cause it says it allows others to rob their very soul. So the only like robbing your soul, that's, that's your everything. And then it's like, end up losing not only their spiritual identity. Well, if you've lost your, your soul, soul, isn't that your spiritual identity? Yeah. And then what's really bad so is your moral consistency, it's, it's kind which of is like a duh, which goes along with like, if you're evil, you know, it, it just sounds, it sounds more, it seems it like sounds it was like inserted words. to just sound kind of scary. You know, there is a, a I, I was listening to the radio one time uh, when I was little, I was, I was probably 10. Uh, and they had a guy who wrote a book that was just nonsense sentences from other books. And so he basically just would he had a, a site that people could con- could contribute uh, like things to. And basically he would just have like textbooks or, you know, people like it was usually snooty academic literature, but he they would basically submit sentences that said nothing. And just were designed to basically be like, I'm so intelligent, you can't understand what I'm saying. I feel like that's kind of what this is. Like it, it just is it's words. Like an emperor's new clothes, emperor no clothes of the intellect. Yeah, like it's it's almost like they just are it's saying like, what? you didn't understand this. I can understand this. It's like, I don't yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> like you must be too stupid. And it's like, dude, there's there's nothing there. Um, 
the other thing too is the fact that he uses the word colonization i feel like that's a loaded word well he has uses a couple other words later so if we spiritual identity i just i don't i don't know what that means and i don't feel like it's really designed but craze to mimic others or foment violence i just feel like they're just foment violence it's just like here we're just gonna throw out keywords and then everyone will act like they know what we yeah mean. it's like modern comedians like where they just are like oh we're gonna say orange man and then and everyone's gonna laugh everybody's gonna laugh yeah um so he continues uh one effective way to weaken historical consciousness critical thinking the struggle for justice and the process of integration is to empty great words of their meaning or to manipulate them i love this sentence it has to be my favorite so far in this document not for any good reason he is exactly undermining his own point because he historical consciousness, using a bunch of critical thinking, <laughs> struggle for justice, all of these things, process of integration, all of these things have now multiple meetings. So people are like, oh, the struggle for justice. It can mean trying to end slavery or it can mean burning down, you know, your local burning down other people's property. Or it can also mean, you know, like struggle for justice mean, can mean killing babies, which is not just at all. It's murderous. So I don't I just it's like, seriously, you I mean, but the thing is this, if he did that intentionally and was trying to be ironic, like masterful. But it's like a thousand IQ play. But I just I don't you know. Don't, is that you, what he's doing? Like, but an encyclical is not the place for that kind of fun s- satire. Sat, yeah. And I, I just from his like, he, yeah. knowing what I know from his other works, I just don't know that it's, it's hard to. It's hard to. Think it's hard to charge him with being this clever. No, it. No. Like this satirical. Uh, I can't believe that he doesn't. Be- I just from his other comments, I don't believe that what he is saying. He's being serious right now. I think he's That's being serious. He- so he, he continues again. Nowadays, what do certain words like democracy, freedom, justice, or unity really mean? Which is actually a dead on point. That's the problem. They have been bent and shaped to serve as tools for domination as meaningless tags that can be used to justify any action. Uh, yeah, that's a, but the problem is I don't I I if he's talking about. Yeah, I mean, but the thing is, is I feel like that all of this is in the book 1984. And it, it, it's well, not even the... just some of the slogans <laughs> of the left, uh, uh, this whole idea of love is love, like uh, w- the, the we believe black lives matter. It's all these these terms that have lost their meaning. The, right. The, the well, like, justice. look at racism. Yeah. Racism just means I hate what you're saying. Mm-hmm. It does because you're not allowed to. I mean, people who are about segregation now are not racist. I mean, the, OK. I think that when it comes to the ultimate, well, and you can get away with calling a black person racist the about, fact that, against other black, like black people. Yeah. yeah. Or the fact that the head of the proud boys, who's an Afro Cuban is called a white supremacist. Just, like yeah. by definition, I'm pretty sure you have to be white to be a white supremacist. Well, and, yeah. It's but, just one of those things where I disagree with you. Therefore you are racist. Yeah. The fact that Joe Biden is endorsed by the, um, the white supremacist guy. What's the guy's name? Um, David Duke. No, I don't think it's David Duke. It's the other one. Um, I can't remember his name. Oh, I can't remember his name either. But he's like a, a legit. He's a yeah. He's I know a legit white he supremacist, an, and he endorsed Joe Biden. And the thing is, is there somebody did a like a funny commercial about it where they had um, they had two guys in t-shirts. One said woke, and the other one said white supremacist, and they totally were all for the same things. And it it kind of makes me laugh because it it's. It just goes to show that racism really means nothing anymore. But it's unfortunate because 
you need words in order to communicate ideas. So the fewer words that we have that have actual meaning, the actual, you actually are reducing the ability of human beings to have unity on a spiritual level, which is ultimately if we're, if we're hoping for, for peace on a material level, we need to have unity in a spiritual level, which can only be accomplished through Jesus Christ. And in order to discuss Jesus Christ and preach the gospel, you do need words. And yet words are being taken from us right and left because they're being devoid of meaning. Uh, so R Richard Spencer. Richard Sorry, Spencer, I was thank looking, you. Was I knew difficult. it was something Google Spencer. was making it challenging to try to look it up. But uh, yeah, Richard Spencer, according to uh, was it? newsbreak.com. Yeah, he and he's but like, no, I'm, I'm not being ironic. I literally. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so but I think that it's I think it's interesting to me that it's what St. Francis is laying out as a problem is absolutely happening. But the person in the United States, at least, who's fighting it, Pope Francis is against. So I just think that it's interesting. And it also seems like he's against the, the you know, the smaller governments, the the self, you know, the the promotion of the gospel. All these things that are sort of being attacked within the church seem like they're promoting the ends for which Pope Francis really wants. Um, but yeah, I guess I don't I don't really disagree with this statement, but I just I feel like it's not being designed towards the right towards the right person. And maybe he's doing that intentionally. Maybe he's a genius. Um, we'll see. Know. We still got a lot to get through with this encyclical. So there's time. Yeah. There's, There's time. a lot of times. I also think, though, too, it's hard to determine if somebody's a genius before their works have really stood the test of time. Yeah. Um, and we'll also see if anything comes from it. I think also, you know, things by their fruits. What are what are what are the fruits of something that are going to be um, coming out? But. Yeah. So um, that's the end of this section. So we'll, we'll cut this one off here. And then our next episode will be covering the, this next little section, which is lacking the plan for everyone, um, which has a couple of good paragraphs in there. Yep. Um, but until then. Thanks for listening. Yeah.